Hi, this is Jeff Switz, and I do the mix of the recordings every week of the sermons. And every week I uh, pick some music, find some music to put at the beginning. And to me, this week is special because someone I've known all my life, Buford Scott, has passed. And I wanted to do something different to recognize how special he was to all of us at St. Paul's, what a great person he was, what a great leader he was. And so I'm going to include at the beginning a short song that I sang with a friend a few years ago. Following that song will be the sermon by Charlie Dupree at St. Paul's Episcopal Church on September 1st, 2019. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. You like bluegrass, Tony? <laughs> uh, we are having fun. Um, the maker starts in C sharp minor. I long 
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, Do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, Move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, 
the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The table, it's the centerpiece of our life together. This table has always been the thing that has kept me in the Episcopal Church, the sacraments. The idea that we all gather there week after week, elbow to elbow, no matter what we've been through, this is our center point. The thing that's kept me, saved me, talked me down from many a ledge. The table is an intimate reminder that God is present and that Jesus and the Spirit are alive and active. The table was also a very important aspect of culture in ancient Israel. Dinner parties, Sabbath meals were big deals in Jesus's day. They were opportunities, of course, to come together to eat and to celebrate, but they were also opportunities for social and political wheeling and dealing. The host would make certain that a guest list was assembled that included just the right people. Dinner parties were opportunities to gather those who might be useful in politics or in religion or to garner social collateral. In other words, the motivation behind these dinner parties were sometimes just a little bit questionable. Now, it just so happens that Jesus, our Jesus, has been invited to one of these dinner parties, a meal on the Sabbath. Now, remember, just last week, what did Jesus do? He healed a person on the Sabbath, and he was already catching some heat from the religious leaders about that. And Jesus must not have learned his lesson because in between that reading that we heard last week and this reading that we just heard, Jesus heals another person on the Sabbath. So it's no wonder that the religious leaders want to keep an eye on Jesus. In fact, it says that right there in Scripture, doesn't it? They were watching him closely. They were watching him closely. I know how he feels. Now, the Greek word here is more than just sheer curiosity, which probably is what you're interested in. <laughs> the, the word here insinuates that they were looking to trap him. They were looking to trap Jesus. But Jesus placed the situation so shrewdly and so cool. We read that Jesus is kind of reading the room. I imagine him just kind of sitting back, surveying things, noticing who sits where. He notices that some deem themselves worthy to take the places of honor. And just what are the places of honor? Why do you get to sit in those places, Jesus might have been thinking. So he tells them a parable. 
The parable spells out some of the basic etiquette about not exalting oneself, not sitting at the head of the table, kind of taking the lowliest place. And this is really not a big deal because the religious leaders would have known this teaching. It was in the wisdom literature that they would have read. So what's the big deal? And then Jesus throws the zinger. The zinger that Jesus usually throws, he turns the table. When you're inviting people to your parties, he begins, don't invite those who can repay you. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame. Invite those who cannot repay you. Invite those who cannot repay me. Jesus, if I did that, where would that get me? If I invited people who couldn't repay me, what would I get out of it? How would I benefit? Now, you probably remember that Jesus tells a lot of parables. The mustard seed, the story about the pearl of great price, the prodigal son, the lost coin, the tale of the sower and the seeds. Parables, they have a specific purpose in this culture. And according to one scholar, the language of a parable typically frames a story which helps us understand more about God's reign. Parables are supposed to invite us to see more deeply. So what is Jesus inviting us to see more deeply? Well, I think it has something to do with humility. It has something to do with the humility involved in being a disciple, a follower, a student of Christ. Humility is such an important spiritual gift. Frederick Beekner says that true humility does not consist of thinking ill of yourself, but of not thinking of yourself much differently from the way you'd be apt to think of anybody else. Humility is the capacity for being no more or no less pleased when you play your own hand well than when your opponents do. Now, a lot of people say to me, I'm really working on being more humble. <laughs> and I, I'm right there with you. Well, when you think about it, Pride requires a lot more work. Our pride is the thing that drives us to say things that we wish we hadn't said. Pride is the thing that drives us to boast of what we have done or what we have. Pride is the thing that creates these cravings that just drive us crazy. And our pride is always seeking the perfect optic. But humility? Humility is freeing. Humility lets us off the hook to some degree. It allows us to listen. Humility allows me to say, I don't have an answer for you, instead of making up one that's wrong. Humility comes from words that have to do with the earth, which means that humility keeps us grounded. It keeps us connected to the planet, to each other, 
and to God and to Jesus. Humility isn't about feeling bad about ourselves or letting people walk all over us. It's not about wanting less for ourselves even. Instead, it's about wanting for others the same opportunities and privileges that we ourselves experience. Humility is the connective tissue that keeps us all equal, thankful, and self-aware. So in his teaching today, Jesus is inviting us to look deeply at who we are. And he's reminding us that none of us is better than the other. Now, some of you may know that I've spent the last four years at Luther Seminary uh, doing doctorate work. And it was the first time that I was in a cohort of people, nine people, and I was the only Episcopalian. There were Lutherans, there were Presbyterians, Church of Canada, Methodists. I was the only Episcopalian, and it was kind of awesome. (laughs) But it turns out, friends, that Episcopalians don't have such a great reputation at being humble. (laughs) The word on the street (laughs) is that Episcopalians think we've got it all figured out. Episcopalians think we worship the right way and welcome the right way and have the right hierarchy in place. Episcopalians think that we have the most beautiful church and the most beautiful music. And while all of that is true, (laughs) we have to keep an eye on this. We've got something to learn from each other, don't we? All of us. Is it possible to stay humble even in the midst of this grand and glorious space? Well, I say absolutely yes, because the foundation of the church, the foundations of the church are humility and compassion and that table. And those need to be in place no matter where we are or what our church looks like. Humility and compassion, they're going to be so important as we begin our life together. Humility and compassion are going to be so important as we step out in faith to follow our Lord. Humility and compassion are going to be crucial as we live into the vision that God is setting before us. And the vision is always born from this table. All of us gathered around. And today around a table in ancient Israel, Jesus calls the religious leaders and religious systems to a place of honesty. Invite those to dinner who cannot repay you. Our God is not a quid pro quo God. Don't always look to get something in return for what you give away. This is what we call grace. God's grace God gives us all that we need and expects nothing in return except for our love. And even when we screw up and fall down and get it wrong, God receives us and gives us another chance to come to the table and hit the reset button. I love that you and I and this table are on Grace Street. We are built on the hope and the belief that God receives all, welcomes all, and invites all to this table. Not because we expect to get something out of it, 
but because we want all people to grow and flourish. The religious leaders were watching Jesus closely that day. I wonder what they saw. My friends, the world and the community are watching us closely. I wonder what they see. Does our table and those gathered around it reflect the kingdom? Does our table and those gathered around it reflect a generous welcome? Do our actions, do our decisions reflect Christ? Today, Jesus turns the table. He turns the tables and our hearts always toward their proper orientation. And the question for us today is, how is God turning you and turning your heart toward the kingdom? Like so many in a stand of sunflowers, how is God pointing us, pointing you toward welcome, toward humility, toward compassion, and toward grace? Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church, in this church, and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.